shooting. Skimmer Way near Lakewood, Charles 478, Tango. Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Now the always entertaining Chris Zebalero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Well, welcome to the summer version of Inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Zebalero. And, I, you know, I just can't wait. I just can't think of anything funny. It's just exciting for me knowing I'm going to hear his voice soon. So where is he? Kelly Grayson, come on in here and say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. I think you're mocking me now, but uh, sounds like you're listening. <laughs> no, 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 Chris. I'm, I'm mocking you every week. Oh, okay, okay. I, I appreciate that. I got a new, a whole new list of things to talk to my therapist about now. So what's going on down there? You sound sick, man. You got a little summer cold? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting over it, actually. I, I've, I've beaten it back. It, it probably wasn't a cold. It was probably Ebola, but, you know, my immune system attacked squirrels in the backyard, so so uh, it was more than equal to the challenge. I'm just, uh, just recovering from it now. I'm feeling better. You, Kelly Grayson, are a real man, and that's for sure, boy. I'll I am that. a manly man. Yes, I am. So there are a lot of things going on in EMS, and uh, let's go ahead and hit them with the first story. What do you got? Uh Yet another one of those uh, stories where uh, someone tries to steal an ambulance, and this time it was uh, even more brazen. They, uh, uh, a man tried to steal an ambulance from some of my coworkers here in Pineville, Louisiana. Uh, Christopher Fark pulled into the parking lot of the Cadian Ambulance Station where he said that he worked for Rapides Parish Sheriff's Office and asked to drive one of the ambulances to pick someone up. Uh, and of course, the crew, uh, not being idiots, smelled a rat and said, "No, sorry, we can't let you do that." And they um, went into the ambulance station, called dispatch, and one of them spotted a gun in his waistband. And uh, they they got the actual Rapid Sheriff's Department there, and uh, they arrested the guy. It turned out he tried to uh, carjack another vehicle um, just a uh, just a little while earlier. So now Mr. Fark is in jail, uh, right where he belongs. Uh, charged with t- uh, carjacking, two counts of aggravated assault with a firearm, and attempted simple escape and battery on a police officer. So, uh, guys, lock your units up um, and and watch yourselves because you never know when the uh, when the next incident is going to occur that endangers your safety. So, so is this another one of those uh, stories, Kelly? that are just sensationalized because of 24-hour media? Because it seems like more and more that uh, ambulances are becoming the uh, 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 stolen vehicle of choice for folks like this. But uh, I just want to make sure it's not yeah. being sensationalized, sensationalized because of 24-hour media. Well, now who's mocking who? <laughs> um, well, just make, just I don't, make I don't think that anything is sensationalized because of the 24-hour media cycle. I think we just hear about it quicker and more often, and and more things make the news because of the 24-hour media cycle. That's all. Um, It it definitely hasn't been a good week uh, for for our guys uh, uh, in Louisiana. We had a couple of our our, uh, EMTs get hit uh, in a hit-and-run accident in Baton Rouge uh, earlier in the week, and uh, and we've had these... uh, and we had a unit stolen not too long ago, but recovered without incident. Um, and uh, now this guy tries to carjack one of our units. So um, um, I think that's that's adequate proof that uh, just because you wear a uh, EMS uniform and you're considered one of the good guys doesn't mean that uh, uh, you are safe from harm. So. Yeah, it was funny because one of the things I always like to do is go up to the units and open them. 
and uh, see what's in them, you know? Well, I mean, yeah, so do our supervisors now. <laughs> I mean, so it's really great. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've pulled out uh, computers and I've pulled out personal phones and, um, you know, just, and then I go looking for the crew saying, uh, does anybody want to buy this? And, you know, but it's the thing that I think we come complacent about because, uh, you know, we think that no one's going to jump into them. You think anyone's going to steal a cop car? No. You think anybody's going to steal an ambulance? No. But you need to start thinking about that uh, those things are going to happen because uh, in today's uh, uh, 24-hour news cycle, people are going to start stealing those ambulances. So You're not going to let that go, are you? And let's no. make no mistake about it. I mock you every show. So this yeah, is not we- just... We had one supervisor that would just take your ambulance if it was unlocked in the ambulance bay. He would just pull it around the corner and hide it uh, and let you come out and discover that your ambulance was gone, freak out a little bit, and he, then he would uh, inform you that um, he had moved your ambulance and don't ever do that again or you'd be written up, So, which was uh, a, pretty, a pretty good lesson. Uh, you, you learn not to do that anymore. You know, my story is going to go to a, a feel-good story, I think, and you know, we all think about, uh, Kelly, I'm sure you have the list in your uh, wallet of things you would buy if you hit the lottery. Oh, yeah. I would transform back when the the uh, the Powerball was up to, what, $300 million. I, I, I had my, my uh, bucket list of how I would transform EMS with, with I think it was $800 million or something. Right, right. Yeah. So we're going to go to Camden Point, Missouri, and there was a Powerball winner who won nearly $200 million in 2012 and paid it back to his community by building a new fire station. And I got to tell you, I mean, when we talk about feel-good stories and we think about EMS and fire being part of the community, um, this really kind of goes to the, you know, to the loyalty of the community where somebody who has the means, you know, uses their own funds to help build a uh, new volunteer station. So you and I have talked about, you know, that that volunteer agencies have had to do fish fries and bake sales to keep, you know, Mm -hmm. fuel in the ambulance. Now, Mark Hill uh, had the volunteer station built and used his winnings from, you know, the Powerball to do that. And I got to say good on because, uh, you know, this is a really great story for the community. Yeah, it's it's nice when when a member of the community recognizes the service we provide and and uh, and um, you know put some some teeth in that recognition by by giving back uh, and and uh, kudos to Mr. Hill um, and uh, uh, pretty happy for the uh, volunteer squad that serves his area that got their new station. Uh, would that more people. Uh, engaged in a little uh, philanthropy and, and helped out their, their local volunteer squads in such a way. If, if, not, a, uh, if not a new station or a new ambulance, then, then an endowment uh, to, to help fund regular operations would probably be even more uh, helpful. Um, but in Camden Point, you know, at least they're doing a, they're doing the kind of job that, that, uh, deserves recognition and, and Mr. Hill, uh, recognized them with a, a brand new fire station. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. I think it's really awesome. Uh, what's next? What do you got for us? We've got, we've got, and, and I'm going to, I hate to do the, the whole yo-yo thing. You went from a feel good story to I'm going to EMTs playing, uh, EMTs behaving badly. I love those stories, um, man. From the files of yeah, EMTs. from the yeah. files of EMTs being idiots. Um, Stoneham, Massachusetts, a uh, an EMT and a former military police officer vi- videotaped himself swallowing a bullet with a beer chaser 
before prosecutors say he fatally shot a rookie Stoneham firefighter at point-blank range during a drunken game of dare between friends. These guys were funneling beer and had a firearm and playing a game of do you trust me, uh, and one shot the other point blank in the chest and then and then had the cowardice to to uh pretend that his friend shot himself uh before they uh he fessed up and and admitted to shooting his friends uh, it just strikes me that some people are just an entire uh, a failure at humanity you know <laughs> um and uh, uh this guy you know, I don't think he just gives a black eye to the fire service because he was obviously off duty when he did this. He just gives a black eye to humanity. Um, if you ever wonder about the the degradation of our species, uh, here's adequate uh, adequate proof of that. Uh, two guys playing with a gun and funneling beer and pointing it at each other until one of them gets killed. Um, but it also goes to show that uh, just because you're uh, an EMT doesn't mean that you're one of the uh, um, favored few of society and and we're we pick from the the best and the brightest because people like that make it into our profession as well yeah i mean kelly sugarcoated a little bit but um <laughs> you know i think that anytime anytime we have firearms and uh we have a, a mixture of alcohol we really need to do a, a, a good job of making sure that we keep our keep ourselves and our friends and our family as safe as we can and, uh, you know, we, we all know that as we drink a little bit, we start to, uh, you know, drop those barriers of safety. Um, but it's, it's not worth the, uh, you know, the, the accidental shooting that could happen that could take somebody's life. Yeah. And, and we're constantly hearing about these, you know, these kids that are killing their brothers and their sisters. And mm -hmm. I was cleaning my gun and I accidentally shot my whatever it is, man. We, we've got to stop this accidental uh, uh, gunplay because this is serious and this is uh, something that uh, you know we've got to worry about but I just got to say if there's a silver lining to this I would think that supporting the local EMS with a gunshot wound would do it yeah <laughs> oh my god uh, and and here you go uh, listeners here's Chris's black humor coming to the fore um, yeah way to support your local rescue squad shoot one of its members <laughs> but we really have um, to do a better job of securing ourselves yes up. yes we do and and that's the thing you know it's I, I don't think you can legislate common sense and and the vast majority of these accidental shootings uh, are, are a, f a spectacular failure of common sense uh, and you know, guns just don't go off. Uh, uh, and as a matter of fact, the, the vast majority of negligent discharges of firearms happen during administrative handling. So uh, probably one of the best safety measures uh, you can implement uh, to, to prevent accidental shootings is just quit monkeying with your gun if you don't have to. Leave it in its holster. Make sure it's unloaded when you, when you uh, begin to clean it. And for God's sakes, don't handle the darn thing when you're drinking alcohol. Uh, and, and that would solve the vast majority of the problems. But uh, anyhow, let's, uh, let's move to another story um, where we get to pick on another member of the public safety community. This one comes out of Jackson, Kentucky. Uh, an EMT suing a police officer for pulling him over during a patient transport last week. You know, Chris, we we talked uh, back in uh, back a, a couple years back when the um, the uh, uh, Oklahoma uh, state trooper pulled over the uh, 
pulled over a, a, a crew and, and wound up choking out the paramedic uh, because he couldn't manage his anger issues. Well, um, Jason Krigger, an Aeromed ambulance EMT, says he was transporting a dialysis patient when uh, uh, Breathitt County Special Deputy Steve McIntosh pulled the ambulance over with no reason and harassed the crew. Said he never gave him a reason he pulled it over, never accused me of any traffic violations or anything of the sort. Uh, it appeared to me he just pulled me over to try to threaten and intimidate us. Uh, and now the EMT is, is suing the police officer for uh, for harassment. So the uh, deputy, of course, counters. It says, uh, he said the lawsuit's nothing more than retaliation for a lawsuit he filed against the service uh, last year accusing Aramed of Medicare and Medicaid fraud. Uh, and and this deputy owns a competing ambulance service in the county. Oh. Uh, so there you go. Um, to to paraphrase that great philosopher Rodney King, man, why why can't we just all get along? You know, work it out. So man, I didn't even I didn't know that part of the story that the cop owned a uh, competing ambulance service. But uh, you know, I got to tell you, when when we first read these stories and and we see what's going on. You know that there has to be an eyebrow raise when we start to, you know, start to hear these stupidities, and and certainly these aren't things that we want to get in the news. And you know, I, I got to tell you, I think that we've come across, uh, you know, law enforcement uh, professionals in our careers that uh, seem to be more self-serving than protect and serving. And uh, you know, there are always uh, challenges when we work with those people, but then. We have those challenges when we work with our fire partners and with our hospital partners. And, you know, there does need to be some collaboration and compromise when we start to have, you know, challenges uh, uh, dealing with, uh, you know, these types of folks. And uh, I, I was very surprised when I heard about the article, but I didn't know the part about cop owning a, a, a competing service. And I, I think that opens uh, a Pandora's box to find a can of worms. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Ceballero, ladies and gentlemen, the master of mixing metaphors. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, some some of the city fathers and, and elected officials in Jackson, Kentucky, probably need to bring in a couple of uh, uh, rival ambulance company owners and, uh, and read them the riot act and tell them to grow the heck up and start working well and playing well with each other. This is like mother jugs and speed with, with unity and, and fish and bind, uh, warring it out and letting the air out of each other's tires. Uh, this is not the 1970s in Los Angeles anymore, folks. Um, you know, and, and regardless of who was at, at fault or who was right or not, um, uh, I, I think it's, it does not speak well for Deputy McIntosh that he is using his badge under color of authority um, to, to harass uh, a rival ambulance service. This is, and this is what it smells like to me. Um, if he could have written the guy a traffic citation uh, and was justified in doing so, he would have. Um, but yet he pulls him over and harasses him. If you're using your badge and your lights and your siren uh, to to harass a, a, a member of a rival company, um, I, I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's kosher, and and it, it's definitely not something you should be doing uh, while you're on duty as a uh, sheriff's deputy. Um, just just silliness. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, and I'm, yeah. I'm going to. We need to follow this story because well, well, maybe they can. Maybe maybe they'll they'll join 
just like Fishbine and, and Unity did, and they can they can form their own version of Fu Ambulance Service. And then that could be the sequel to Mother Jugs and Speed. <laughs> That's so right. I'm going to take you to my story, and and this week terrorism reared its ugly head again, and two explosions rocked Istanbul Airport, killing 28 and 60 wounded, and I think the the death toll now is up in the 50s. You know, it just becomes, you know, a, a really, really uh, interesting time that we have to uh, pay attention to what's going on around us. And, mm-hmm. and Kelly, you know, it, it, we've talked about in the past couple weeks of the Orlando shooting. Uh, we've talked now. We have the opportunity to chat about the uh, Istanbul bombing. And one of the things that I think we need to start thinking about as hosts of this show is when these things start happening, instead of talking about them uh, uh, globally, we may need to start instilling some things about uh, what people can do if this happens in their service area. So I want to ask you the question, if uh, we go down there to the world-famous airport in New Orleans, Louisiana, mm-hmm. and uh, God forbid they have a, uh, um, you know, a, a bombing, a, a terrorist bombing in the lobby there, what do you think are the What do you think are the three things that you would want to know, or you'd want your employees to know about dealing with that mass casualty incident? Uh, um, the three things I'd want my employees. All right, let's know. make it. Let's make it easy. <laughs> let's just say one thing. I well, mean, you know, I didn't mean um, to derail you. So just let's try. Well, no, I, I I think I could probably pull three things out of the top of my head. You know, first of all, their own personal safety. Um, um, is this you know is this attack uh, does it involve a secondary device? You know, to to lure in and 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 then target uh, the first responders, which is which is a known tactic. Uh, so obviously, uh, my my employees' safety uh, would be uh, paramount. Um, but I'd also uh, I'd also stress uh, in preparing for these things that there there needs to be better liaison and actual work and practice between law enforcement, uh, fire, and EMS multidisciplinary drills um, to ensure that that the the response is seamless. Um, you know the the timeline. Uh, Police released the timeline from the Orlando attacks, and and uh, it does not paint a, a flattering picture uh, of the response uh, of Orlando police uh, in in the Orlando shooting. There were people who were literally bleeding to death and dying while on the phone uh, with nine one one while they had the shooter corralled in a bathroom, and and no one was evacuating those patients. Um, so. That speaks to probably a, a lack of, of communication and, and pre-planning, uh, or if the pre-planning was done uh, and not implemented, then then uh, uh, just as bad. But uh, that would probably be the the uh, thrust of, of anything that I would do if, if I owned the, the, or ran the ambulance service or ran the EMS system, is I would make sure uh, that when we drilled for these types of eventualities, and, and everyone should. It's becoming glaringly obvious that there is no place that is exempt from this, and there is no place that is safe from this, and, and it can happen in your community, uh, and we need to be prepared. That um, I think that we need to be working with our, our uh, colleagues in, in law enforcement and fire and, and actively game planning this. Uh, and, and maybe all of us need to shift our thinking paradigm a little bit uh, and, and, you know, the 
because the lines are being blurred between warm zones and hot zones and what is the role of fire and what is the role of police and, and what is the role of EMS. Uh, and, you know, I've said it before that I think it's time that, that a little bit of at least tactical awareness, if not training, being incorporated into EMT curricula uh, and, and warm zone operations being the, the thrust of, of that training. So. Yeah, I have to agree with you. And I think that one of the things that, uh, you know, I want to share is that, you know, there are more silos in public safety than you find in the state of Iowa. Yeah. And I think that we have to be, how's that? Do I get a shout out for that one? Oh, that's awesome. I yeah, love okay. that one. Um, so, but I think one of the things that we have to start to think about is we've got to bridge the gaps between public service entities and, you know, I don't. I don't care where your service is. You may be at a service where there is, uh, you know, two calls in a week. I mean, it may be that slow of a service. But these these lone wolves are, are, are uh, you know, doing in the name of, uh, uh, you know, a terrorist group. And we need to be able to to be prepared when these things happen. Now, you know, this is half the world away in Istanbul. You know, we had a, a terrorist shooting. In uh, Orlando, we had a terrorist shooting in San Bernardino, and, and mm-hmm. these kind of things are happening. And we really need to sit with our with our peer, with our uh, public service partners, our fire and and our fire departments and police departments, and we've got to come up with an understanding of how we're going to work together in these uh, situations when they occur, not if they occur, but when they occur. Because if we're sitting back thinking it's not going to happen here. You know, the, the history books are filled with uh, stories of uh, that kind of thing happens to other people. It doesn't happen to us, but it, yeah. it, it is going to happen. And I got to tell you, I mean, I never thought that I would be thrust into the middle of a, of a civil disobedience, uh, you know, the Ferguson crisis in the summer mm-hmm. of 2014, uh, almost coming up on two years now, uh, where, where that little part of, of coverage area that you don't really pay you know, a, a lot of glaring attention to now is thrust into the international spotlight where you've now got to make sure that your A game becomes an A++ game. And I got to tell you, even during that event, uh, there was challenges with interoperability. Yeah. There was a challenge. There was challenges with unified command. There was challenges with the funneling of information. So even though you look at, uh, I'll look at the Ferguson crisis and say that it was a success for my organization. I'm going to give it probably a C or or a D plus in the success of how it was when we dealt with our with our public service partners. We just have to do more due diligence, Kelly. Yeah. Yeah, we, we we definitely do, and, and it's not a it's not a slight on on the the officers or EMTs responding to to any of these events. Uh, you're you're only as good as your practice and planning, um, and and I think it exposed a flaw there. And on a broader scope, I think it's uh, if you're denying the the problem of. Uh, uh, Islamofascism and terrorism. Um, I think it's uh, pretty obvious now that it's a problem uh, for everyone in the world. So, time to pull your head out of the sand and, and prepare. But hey, that's what I think. We'd like to hear what you think. So, email us at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself and co host Chris Ceballero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>